Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. Romans chapter 12. And uh, some of these, especially at the beginning, are, these words are amazing. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Let's just stop on verse number one. So he says, I beseech you. This is, I urge you. I practically beg you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Oh, by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Don't let your bodies just do whatever they want to do. Your bodies will do things that are perverse. Your bodies will do things that are displeasing to the Lord, that disqualify you and your reputation from your ministry, that ruin your life. We cannot just let our bodies do whatever they want to do. So he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, he's not asking us to kill ourselves for the Lord, but to sacrifice ourselves as a living sacrifice. In other words, to live for the Lord, to cause our bodies to be obedient to God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I don't know any better way to present myself than to do what I often do. I'll just maybe walk out into my living room or something, just get by myself, and I'll lift my hands. And I'll say, God, I present myself to you today. My head, my mind, my hands, my feet, where I go, what I do, how I do it, my eyes, Lord, what I look at, my mouth, Lord, what I say, and what I eat, Lord, from head to foot, from head to toe, Lord, I present myself to you today, holy and acceptable to you, which is my reasonable service. Notice he says, which is your reasonable service, which is your reasonable service. It's rational. It's some, some translation, spiritual worship. But it's, it's the only rational thing to do after what Jesus has done, making himself a sacrifice to death. In other words, if he died for us, we should live for him. It's just our reasonable service to sacrifice ourselves to him. And it is a sacrifice because you're, you want to do things that God doesn't want you to do. And you don't want to do things that God does want you to do. So it's a sacrifice. But he says it's reasonable. <laughs> After what Jesus did for us to save us from hell, hey, let me tell you, living for him is more than reasonable. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to become like this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But be transformed. How can we be transformed? By renewing our minds to the Word of God, doing what we're doing right now, learning, hearing God's Word and embracing the way that he thinks, embracing what he says is true as true for us as well. And do not be conformed to this world, the way the world thinks, the way the world behaves, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Some have divided those up and said, well, there's the good will of God. That's the least blessed or the best out of God's will. There's the good, and then there's the acceptable, and then there's the perfect will of God. But to me, it seems like those are not three tiers of being in the will of God, but all those are the same, and he's describing them, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me, and of course he's an apostle, he's a teacher, he is a preacher out of his own mouth. In First and Second Timothy, he uses those three callings. He says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know, we can all have a tendency in pride to think we're all that, you know, that we're because God saved us and he made us the righteousness of God in Christ. He's given us authority that you could begin to think that you're God's gift to the body of Christ. And you, of course, are a gift to the body of Christ in the sense that uh, God does give you grace to bless other people. But you're not a gift to the body of Christ more than other people. So he says, I uh, say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, soberly, soundly, clearly, think clearly, soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Every person in the body of Christ, God has dealt a measure of faith to them. Verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, in other words, many members, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we're all different people, yet we're one body in the body of Christ. Verse 6, Having then gifts differing. Let me say it this way. Having then different kinds of gifts. Each of us have different gifts. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them according to whatever grace. You didn't create your own gifts. You were born with certain gifts, born with certain grace. So he says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And then he's going to give us some instructions on how to use them. And he's going to list seven different graces or ministry gifts that people in the body of Christ have or can function in. Here's the first one. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. In other words, don't prophesy beyond what you really believe God is saying. Why? You'll get into a mess and you're, you'll start trying to prophesy out of your mind trying to prophesy to get esteem from people, and you're only going to bring embarrassment to yourself and confuse people about whether or not prophecy is real. So if your grace is to prophesy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. He goes on to say, or ministry, and of course ministry means serving, but uh, it can be a broader sense too. In ministry, let us use that grace, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. Use the grace of God to teach if you have that grace to teach. Verse 8, he who exhorts, this is like encouragement, in exhortation. He who gives with liberality, if you have the grace to give. And some people in the body of Christ have this grace on them to you know, gain wealth, and God has called them to be givers. 
So he said, he who gives with liberality, don't be stingy. It is your grace to give. So be generous and be benevolent. So it says, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence. If you're going to lead, do it with diligence. And then he says, he who shows mercy, here's the seventh one, with cheerfulness. Now, why is that? Because if you have a merciful heart for people, you could just, you know, sort of be in sorrow all the time, carrying everybody's burdens. But he said, no, if you're going to show mercy, if that's your grace, do it with cheerfulness. Yes, your heart is merciful toward people, but bring joy and bring cheer to people and not just get out and some and weep with them. Somebody said, the Bible says to weep with those who weep. That's true. But when you're done weeping, you want to bring some cheerfulness and some joy to that and not just stay in depression ongoing. Okay, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, don't just look like you're loving or act like you have love, but genuinely love. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Don't you love these words? Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. In honor giving preference to one another. No, you go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go first. Giving preference. In other words, not letting the flesh say, hey, me first, as our flesh likes it to be. No, but giving preference in honor. In honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Keep being diligent. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. See, he's giving characteristics of a believer, a true believer, and likely a mature believer. So, patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. See, these are not things that the flesh likes to do, but, oh, there are things that we ought to do. This is all part of presenting ourselves a living sacrifice. Verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints. When you see somebody that's among the body of Christ in need, that you're helping them. Given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. Don't be a hermit crab, right? But given to hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Oh, that I could get that through to the body of Christ, that they wouldn't uh, curse those who persecute them. Now, they may not do it to their face, but when they get home to their family members, to their friends, to their husband, their wife, what will they say about those people? He said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. What does that mean, high things? Uh, I want to be, you know, up in this upper class with the uppities, so to speak. And I don't want to associate with these low-level believers in Jesus, more poor people. He's saying, no, don't be like that. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Don't retaliate. Don't defend yourself, right, in the way of repaying evil. Like, hey, they did something wrong against me. I'm going to do something wrong against them. I'm going to poke them in the eye and such. He said, no, repay no one evil for evil. Just because they did evil doesn't mean you need to do evil. 
have regard for good things in the sight of all men, if it is possible, oh, I quote this one a lot, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I've said that to so many people, and I've said it to myself as well. I'm not responsible for everybody else behaving in such a way that they live at peace with me. But I am responsible for how I respond to these situations and whether or not I'm behaving in such a way that I am promoting peace, I'm promoting unity. So notice again, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes people are so vicious, they want us out, they cannot function with us, but he's saying, but as much as depends on you, let's live at peace with everybody, whether it be believers or unbelievers. Verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. If somebody's angry and full of wrath and such, don't you know, run up to him and say, hey, who do you think you are? No, he said, don't be like that. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for as it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Oh, what a different approach. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. That's not trying to burn his hair off, right? No, heaping coals of fire on his head would be a way to help him, as if somebody has to carry on a little platform on their head, you know, coals of fire to get it back somewhere, and it's hard to put it up there, you're actually helping them with what they're doing. You're showing them love, even though they're showing you hate. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. It's amazing what happens when you don't retaliate against people who are mean, but you instead are humble, gracious, and show love. It's amazing how many of them will open their hearts to you and stop being mean anyway, at least to you, because of the love. Overcome evil with good. Oh, this sounds like the love of the Lord, doesn't it? Jesus said, turn the other cheek, and this is certainly uh, in the same line as that teaching. Well, that's chapter 12. I look forward to tomorrow, a very relevant chapter talking about how we deal with authorities, including the police and such. What does the Bible say about this in Romans chapter 13? We'll talk about it tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.